broadcasting from their world headquarters in Texas. It's the Arcade Repair Tips Live Show, the show that discusses arcade repair, restoration, news, and more. Now, here are your hosts, Tim and Jonathan. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 30 of the Arcade Repair Tips Live Show for August 2019. My name is Jonathan Leung, and I'm the producer, director, and editor of the Arcade Repair Tips video series. And joining me today, as always, is Mr. Arcade Repair Tips himself, Tim Peterson. Tim, how are you? I'm good. Can I call this the show that almost didn't happen? Yeah, maybe uh, so. So, just to give you guys a little heads up, uh, me and Tim are extremely tired. Uh, Tim, as he mentioned on the last show, has been traveling in Germany. Right. And you just got back yesterday, right? Yeah, almost. You, you don't know this story. I almost didn't get back. Almost missed the plane because uh, the Autobahn was closed. Oh, they closed it down because of a wreck, so we were stuck on the Autobahn. Gotcha. So, we'll so you almost missed your flight? Almost missed the flight. It was very close. In fact, it was down to uh, when can the, when is the next flight. We're probably not going to make it. But thank, thankfully, you can drive 140 on the Autobahn and catch up. That's right. <laughs> so Tim is mm-hmm. fighting some jet lag. Yeah. Um, I, unfortunately, had some visits to the ER for one of my kids, Tim, last <laughs> right. night. And that means I got three hours of non-consecutive sleep last night, as I like to say. So basically an hour here, an hour here, an hour here. Uh, so both of us are extremely tired. So this will bit. either be the greatest live show ever or the worst live show ever. <laughs> it's going to be somewhere on that spectrum. Or it may be short and sweet. Or Sorry. the shortest live we'll show ever, one or the other. Year. But um, <laughs> either way, Tim, I can both I can say for both of us that we're both tired. So um, if but we're, we're not as perky as usual, <laughs> I'm going to apologize in advance. And I am kind of leaning towards the latter that this will probably be the worst live show ever. So uh, <laughs> there you go. But at least we're here. And yeah. we are doing a live show on the first Thursday of the month. Right. So I, we are. I got some great stories to tell if they stick around. There you go. So Tim will tell you all about his trip to Germany if you stick around for the after show, right? Yeah. So that's one of the teasers right there. But Tim, obviously, you haven't really been at work, I guess, since you've been on vacation. So. No, I actually it was a vacation, and uh, they were um, they did actually held together pretty good, and they were glad uh, they were actually very nice. That we're glad that you go, but we're also glad you're home. Um, I don't know what's worse to go on vacation and not be missed would probably be the bad thing. Oh, we didn't even know you were gone. I think it were, I think they realized I wasn't there and was glad I was back, but they were also glad that I got got to get away. So you know how this was a new business. We were uh, I was glad to get some time off, but they were also glad to have me. So I guess I still have a job. My job security is good. That right, is good. Right and I'm sorry, guys, if the volume is a little wonky. I guess I could turn it up real quick. Um, it seems like somebody's saying the volume is a little low. Hang on just a second. Okay. This is what live shows are all about, guys. Let's see. There is that go. better? Testing. Hello, testing. One, two, three. Is that worse? I don't know. One, uh-huh. one of the two. Keep, keep talking, Tim. Testing, testing, testing. testing. Nope. I think that's Hello. worse. Okay, here we go. Other see, this way. is tweaking mic. There we Body, go. Lefty, okay, I think we're good tight. there. Is okay. that better? Okay, cool. Okay, so Tim, we have a lot of people in the live chat, obviously, okay. so let's go get around to uh, some of them. YouTube Punk is here. He says hello. Hello. Let's see. We have Anthony. He says, I have a Gorf cocktail that won't play past Mission 3. Okay. So, do you want to tackle that? Or you want yeah, to go back we to might. That? We'll jump right into that. Right. Um, anytime it's getting to a certain place and dying, uh, consistently, especially, um, you know, you, you really got to narrow it down to it could be your power supply because maybe something happens at mission three that requires a little bit more. So, sometimes just tweaking that power supply a little bit will help. But most of the time, if, every, if the power supply is good and it probably is, you're having a wrong or some kind of failure at that point. 
So I would suspect a board issue or, or, or a power issue, either one that's not able to process that fast. Okay, so more than like... GORF? Yes, GORF. Yeah, more than likely um, some kind of board issue. Or you can also check the ribbons, uh, cables, and stuff like that. Make sure that they're good, that you are getting good between each board, you know. And the fact that he's getting gameplay up to that point probably means that most of the things are working. But there could be, like you mentioned, there could be something, uh, an issue with loading whatever's in that stage three right. that, you know, on the board. Which yeah, is probably, I don't, there. yeah, it seems like I don't remember exactly stage three. I would remember probably if I was playing it, what was coming up. I haven't played Gorf in a while. But it probably could be taking a little extra processing power or, or it's going into some kind of a... Uh, chasing kind of deal like you would say on Miss Pac-Man, but doing something uh, and causing it to fail at that moment. So it's either probably a chip or your power supply. There you go. Uh, let's see what else we have here. We've got, um, let's see, Gojira. Uh, hey guys, it's been a while since I've joined the stream. Glad to have you back. We've Thank got you. Danny here. He says, nice seeing you again. Good Thank to see you, Danny. you too, Danny. Uh, Joe is here. Says volume's a little bit low. Hopefully we, we fix that now. Okay. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have? Diego is here from Argentina. Oh, wow. Okay. So we have that. Mr. Dwayne is here, 79. Michael is here. He says your Missile Command shirt is terrific. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. So there we go. Um, let's see. Oh, Jonathan's shirt wins. Oh. That's what YouTube Punk says. Oh, wow. So that there is go. a cool Got shirt. this on vacation. I was on vacation the same time you were on vacation. Yeah. I did not go nearly as far. Oh. Uh, I went to Alabama, but I uh, had a good time, and we'll talk about that in the after show as well. Let's see what else we have here. Okay, bad ROM. YouTube Punk says, yeah, it could be a bad ROM on the Gorf board for right. sure. That or, was fun. or it could even be bad RAM chips. I mean, sometimes um, if a bad RAM chip could be when it's starting to load that stuff, that all of a sudden, like, it gets to a certain point, it hits a bad RAM chip, and then mm-hmm. it can't load anymore. It could be something like that. There, there's a lot of different Yeah, when I said chip, I was actually thinking of a ROM. Okay. I meant a circuitry chip, but yeah, I was thinking ROM. Sure. So, I mean, there's a lot of options there. It's really hard to troubleshoot a board without... Like seeing it, obviously having it on the bench, and then going through the chips and seeing, you know, how mm-hmm. they're how they're actually working. If they're putting out the right uh, input output on each pin, all that kind of stuff, voltages as well. So, um, but if you're if you're looking for help with it, um, there's a lot of people that we recommend for board repaired and board help on our resources page at arcaderepairtips.com/resources. So. Okay, I think we're caught up. Okay. Okay, so guys, this is this may be the fastest live show ever, like I mentioned, because we are tired. Uh, we are going to go ahead and get into the questions, though, Tim, Let's since uh, it looks like we're caught up in the live chat. So let us move forward. And the first one we have is from Dan. And Dan says, I have an Asteroids with an Electro Home Geo 5 monitor in it. The picture went out shortly after getting it, and I have been working to diagnose it. I'm working through the Geo 5 FAQ, and it talks about making sure I replace the transistors in the HV board, high voltage board, with the faster recovery transistors when ordering from Mazur DigiKey how do I know if the transistor is fast recovery or not it specifies in the FAQ that if it if fast recovery transistors are not used damage to the flyback will result if you can help me out I would greatly appreciate it thanks again so Tim we have Dan here who has an Electro Home Geo 5 a black and white vector monitor okay because that's what they had in asteroids right, right? So a black and white vector monitor here, and he's talking about these fast recovery transistors in this. So, I mean, what is he talking about here with fast recovery, Tim, transistors? I mean, what, what's going on? Well, what our research told us was, um, because I kind of scratched my head when I was reading this at first, a fast recovery transistor didn't sound exactly right, and I believe straight from the monitor, um, it talks about a fast recovery diode, so secondary diodes that they are, and um, it does have to be a, a, a good diode in there. 
but I'm not quite sure what the fast recovery transistors or that he was talking about. We didn't find anything in our research, correct? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I've never seen, I mean, if there is something considered a fast recovery transistor, I guess I've never seen it before. Right. That may be a great question to ask one of our board repair guys or, right. or somebody that does strictly monitor repair. Right. And I'm not saying there's not such a thing. I'm just saying that over the years, seems like that would have come up before. Uh, but I do remember talking about the fast recovery um, diodes. So right. maybe that's what he was talking about. Right. Um, and those, uh, I think we have it in the next slide on their part page and stuff. Or sure, parts. and I'll go ahead and throw it up here. What the NTE part is, which you can do a cross-reference on that. Right, and as a lot of people know, we love NTE parts, and their cross-reference chart is very good if you need to find a replacement part. But we assume the Damon is using the black and white vector monitor FAQ. Uh, which is available on Crazy Kong's website as well as a whole slew of other websites. Right. It's not just on Crazy Kong. And so, obviously, we couldn't find anything in that FAQ about a fast recovery transistor. Right. But we've definitely seen fast recovery diodes. Right. And I that's think that's what the I difference. Think he's you know, talking about. Exactly. So, you know, they're diodes that operate at the 30 kilohertz oscillator frequency. So, um, you know, if you use the normal diode, this is, it specifically says this in the FAQ. If you use normal diodes, you will fly your fry your you will fry your flyback. Okay, not fly your flyback. <laughs> okay, um, sorry about that, but um, yeah, <laughs> so, you see, that's me being tired, right? Yeah, there. that's you it. You will you will fly your flyback. So okay, but um, I think the biggest thing here, Tim, is that he's probably talking about the diodes, maybe not the transistors, like he had mentioned in his email. And so, if you need the fast recovery diode, it is the NT five eighty eight, according to the FAQ that you need. Um, and Tim, you can get those pretty much at any electronics parts supplier, so DigiKey or Mauser or any of those right. places. Where Especially we knowing that part number will help you uh, cross-reference, or they can cross-reference it for you. Exactly. So, I mean, so that's what we're looking at. So, as far as the transistors go, not familiar with fast recovery transistors, definitely familiar with fast recovery diodes. And that's what exactly. it comes down to. So, uh, Dan, if, but if you, you know, if you find some more information or something like that, please let us know. Right. Or uh, somebody in the chat knows a little bit more detail than we do go ahead and chime in and we will add that into the show here right but just from the from reading the faq it does sound like maybe you're talking more about the diodes than the transistors so hopefully answers your question and let us know if you have any other um, information you like to give us or if you do find the part that says the fast recovery transistor so we can take a look at it too right so there you go okay anthony says cool thanks i'll check it out for the Gorf that we were talking about okay. earlier. So he's going to check out his board and see what's going on with that. Jason says, I played Gyrus for an, about an hour last night. It played beautifully. Then it decided to have glitchy sprites. Ah! Or yeah. Con! <laughs> oh, 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 yes, Con. Okay. Uh, so, uh, nice Star Trek reference. Of yes, course. I got but, that. Um, so, we get, so it was playing great, and all of a sudden it had some glitchy sprites. I mean, obviously, Power Supply is a very, a very good place to start on something like this, especially if it was playing well and then it's not... Um, yeah, but, it's usually like a board connection or something in a gyrus. They're real, you know, can get a little off. Uh, sometimes reseeding your chips will help uh, cleaning your board. We talk about that in a little bit of inspecting a board. I think that might yes. be a good video to watch. Okay. Yeah, and really what it comes down to, if you're having a problem like this that's kind of intermittent, then, yes, you just want to check and make sure all your connections on the board are good. Any socketed chips are press down and are making good connections to the board itself. If you do those kind of things, uh, you'll probably find the issue. Tim, we've seen where we've had cracked or cold or broken solder joints yeah. on boards. What I'd be interested is well. if you turn it off overnight, does it is it good at the start of the next game and kind of after it warms up, do it again? 
you know, so, or is it once it started this, it's continually doing this now or as soon as you turn on the game? Maybe I can ask that question. You can answer that. That might help a little bit. There you go. Okay, um, now YouTube Funk says, have you guys heard about the arcade uh, one-up, or, yeah, arcade one-up Star Wars controversy? Uh, I don't think we've heard of anything specific, so you may need to elaborate on that. I don't know if there's anything going on. I know that, I mean, I guess, are they available to pre-order yet? I'm not for sure. I think think they are. They are already? On the Arcade 1UP website. But I know that the Marvel superheroes ones that we talked about in the last live show are available for pre-order on the Arcade 1UP website, so you can do that. Uh, Tim, I know that there's been some talk about the yoke and if they're going to have enough yokes to complete, you know, all the orders and stuff like that and that they're working to get like a, you know, like a ready manufactured yoke for it. Wow. But I don't know if there's any other controversy outside of that. Yeah, what so. have you heard? <laughs> exactly. So, up. yeah, let us know what you've heard and we'll go from there. Uh, but Tim, while we're waiting on that, okay. let us move to the next question from Big Left Toe. Okay. So is this your Big Left Toe or my no. Big Left Toe? It's somebody's Big Left Toe. Uh, but um, he says, My colors on my Miss Pac-Man have become dull when they are very much alive before. The color will flash in and out like they are fighting to go back to normal. Sometimes it will even stay normal for a whole minute, but eventually flashes back to dull colors. Even color everywhere. Does this sound like a uh, does it sound like a need to recap or de-gossip? So, Tim, we have a Miss Pac-Man here, and it looks like he's saying that sometimes, like, he'll get that bright, vivid color mm-hmm. on the monitor, and sometimes it'll wash For a minute, out. And right, then it'll exactly. Go away. Right. Yeah, when, when you're talking about that, um, it would be more like if it was cats most of the time, it would just slowly get lower and lower and lower and lower. Um, when it's kind of going flashing in and out, it makes me think it's a, like a connection issue or sure. a cold solder joint. Or something. Not that it couldn't be a cold solder joint on a cap, right? Or something. But most of the time, we're not talking about a cap kit for this fix. It's more of tracing down. It's probably a certain a wire or something, a certain color that it's losing. Um, I would definitely consider the the connections before I would go to a cap kit. There you go. And uh, Tim, a lot of times we see this with a lot of people kind of mistake the dull colors for a color going out. Right, uh, and that may be the case here with Big Left Toe. So let's go ahead and show this real quick. Uh, yes, a moderate recap or degauss can help with color issues. I mean, yeah. I mean, it definitely will. With that said, it sounds more like you're experiencing a problem with your connection from your description. The fact that the colors go dull then come back normal uh, to a normal state is what leads us to this conclusion. We recommend checking all of the monitor input wires and connections between your monitor chassis and your main board. Tim, you've mentioned that you need to touch up the solder on the input pins going yeah. into the chassis that's think, a really um that's a really good place to check because a lot of times from the connector being pushed on there taken off those pins will crack around those solder joints on the bottom and i would definitely reconnect the monitor uh, uh the neck board right i think that sometimes that getting loose over time can cause some of that what he's talking about so sometimes just reconnecting that neck board good We'll bring it back. Now, it's possible, Tim, he has a problem on his monitor chassis, and we do have a nice video called Checking a Monitor Tube that will help you yeah. troubleshoot color issues with your monitor. Uh, it talks about how to do how to replace color drive transistors and also yeah. how to, to check the tube to make sure the tube guns are working properly as well. So, I mean, there's always a possibility you have a problem there as well on the chassis, but uh, always suspect the input wires first before going that route. I believe, so, I believe you're right. <laughs> so, Big Left Toe, hopefully it answers your question, and good luck getting the colors back on your Miss Pack man monitor okay oh tim youtube punk just gave us 10 bucks Yay, thank awesome you. thank you and let's address the controversy real quick because he did chime in on it tim he said apparently their demo units at e3 and other shows had high-end yoke controllers 
So instead of using, like, I guess a reproduction yoke, they were uh-huh. using, like, these high-end yoke controllers. Uh-huh. Now, we did hear that apparently there was a, a guy who was supposedly making a reproduction one for Star Wars cabinets mm-hmm. that he was contacted by Arcade One Up to help with their production process. Now, so that may not have made it that may not have made it into the prototype models that we're seeing at E3 uh-huh. in places, but I know at least Arcade One Up contacted him about licensing the design and possibly using them in the cabinet. Okay. So, cuz he he spoke up on that. So, uh-huh. now whether or not the prototype models had that or not, that's a different thing entirely. As you guys all know, when you do a prototype of something, sometimes you don't get the right parts. Right. that you need for that and so it could have just been that they did it as a fill-in just so they could show it off so who knows but um, I hope that it'll have an, uh, a nice custom very similar to the original Yoke controller on it so. yeah let's see Fernando says bought my first cab a Sega Astro a Sega Astro City and can't make the monitor work first I had no blue now I have the monitor shuts down when powering after a second um, MS8 chassis. So he's getting, it sounds like he may be getting some high voltage failure here, Tim. Yeah. On his MS8. And so that's a Nanano, right? Right. The yeah. key is, does it play blind, though? Is it a, is it a true monitor failure? Uh, anytime your monitor fails and your board and everything's okay, the game will still what we call play blind. In other words, you should be able to start it. You should be able to hear things. It should be as if you're playing, except the screen is blank. So you would be blind playing it. Uh, if it does that, then yes, it probably is in your monitor, but it may not necessarily be getting the board and everything. Sometimes you're saying you're seeing a blue screen. That may be indicative that you're not, it's not actually playing. You're not, monitor shutting down because it's not getting not get a signal. signal. Right. So that would be a, a th- something that I would check into. Make sure that you're actually getting the signal and that it is trying, thinks it's playing that you are just having some kind of high-voltage failure. If you are having high-voltage failure, failure, you definitely need to check out our video on troubleshooting games that are playing blind. Obviously, we talked a lot about the high-voltage sections of monitors between flybacks and hots and um, all that good stuff. So you definitely want to check that out. If you're having that, that can help with a lot of that. Um, Tim, a lot of times you will have failures in those hots, flybacks, and areas mm-hmm. like that. Sometimes there'll be, there can be filter caps or other things that can cause high-voltage failure. But um, you know, you, if you basically if you trace the line that's coming in from your main power through to your flyback, you can, if there's a problem with your high voltage, it'll be somewhere in that area. But that'd so. be our first question. Is it playing blind? That's what you need to answer. And if you're not sure, go plot, go try it. Try <laughs> point it up and hit some buttons and see if you're hearing it. See if your game thinks it's working. It's just, you're just not able to see anything on the screen. There if it's go. just your monitor, it still would do that. There you go. Sounds good, Tim. So Fernando, hopefully that helps you and let us know if, uh, if we can help you out further here. Uh, let's see. Michael says, I want to see six guys playing X-Men on a 1-Up. Now, here's the thing. There's not a six-player 1-Up, arcade 1-Up yet, but um, if that comes, I think it would be very tight. Yeah. So the four-player one's going to be tight. The Ninja Turtles one so. they announced, so for sure. Danny says, I'm having board issues with my CRT monitor and my Lethal Enforcers again. I've seen that they have universal ones, but do I have to buy? But what do I have to buy? Because I know I it's got certain settings on voltage on it, excuse me. So the universal chassis are pretty much universal, Tim, just right. like the name mentions. Uh, sometimes you will have to send them the yoke resistance settings for your monitor in order for them to make sure that it matches up with what you've got. Mm-hmm. Uh, the nice thing is I think a lot of Lethal Enforcers monitors, if it wasn't replaced, is probably a K7000 series. Yeah, and so that's if that's the case, monitor. I was about to say, if that's the case, the universal chassis should work on it fine. But sometimes they do request that you send them the yoke resistance, uh, your vertical and your horizontal, just to make sure it matches. But the universal chassis is pretty universal with most tubes that you're going to come across. So, I mean, if you want to try it out, 
uh, you know, and, and you can always contact the sellers of these things. Tim, Game Room Guys for the longest time used to sell them, and there's uh -huh. other sellers on eBay. But contact that seller. Let them know what setup you have, even what chassis you have, and they can give you a lot more information as to whether it will work in your uh, in your cabinet with your tube. So, uh, YouTube Punk says they're doing a bait and switch on the Star the Star Wars yoke. So you think it's too good a yoke in the prototype? And what I, you're getting is going to be a lot cheaper. Right, and that may be true, but as long as it plays close to authentic, I don't think people are going to care too much. Right. I mean, like I said, prototypes are prototypes, and a lot of times they've come out and said that this was a prototype model that they were showing off. Mm -hmm. So, prototype models, parts change all the time, guys. I mean, from the time that you prototype right. something to the time you take it to full manufacturing, sure. stuff changes all the time. I mean, ask anybody who... Who uh, works at a pinball company? Right. <laughs> <laughs> ask, ask Jersey Jack how many times they had to redo parts when they were doing Wizard of Oz. Right. I mean, it's ridiculous. So, I mean, just because you prototype something out and you and you fill it out and everything doesn't necessarily mean that's what you're going to get on the final commercial version because sometimes yeah. those parts don't mass produce so well. But you you think it almost be a better like they right. would find something better, not worse. You sure. know. So hopefully. Uh, if you hear any more, that would be something we'll keep an eye on. We will on. reserve judgment until we actually play exactly. play one, right? Exactly, and we'll see. So let's see, Diego uh, Banjo Contrabajo says, "How um, I know how to measure ohm resistance from a yoke. Is there a way to measure what ohms is the chassis expecting? I have a ton of RK chassis that don't have a label at all. There's a, a list website. that yeah. we talked about in the last live show, and I can't remember the <laughs> website offhand. Um, but there is a um, a list actually um, the arc." Build your own arcade controls, arcade okay. controls forums. Uh, people have put down the chassis and what resistance they are for the okay. yokes. Uh, and like I said, we linked to that back on the last live show, so you may check the links in the last live show for that. But um, arcade controls specifically had a list of chassis and what resistance they are expecting, and I'm pretty sure we put a link on the last episode. So check that out, episode 29, and see if you can find it there. If you can't, let us know. We'll get you that list. Let's see. One Pond Star. The picture on my CRT monitor is rotated slightly. Is there an easy fix for this? Thanks. So, sometimes when you move a game, the yoke shifts. Yeah, it's just, sometimes it's just a... What we always recommend is mark where it currently is. Right. So you can't get worse. Right. <laughs> and then you can try to tweak it a little bit. Uh, but at least, if not, you can kind of get back to where you were right. and go from there. So the yoke's the part that, that actually fits on the back of the tube and has the resistance settings and everything on it. And so sometimes when people shim that up, it, and you're moving it, it will shift or it will slightly rotate off the monitor. So you may have to push it on the monitor a little bit harder and then maybe either rotate it just a bit to the left, just a bit to the right. Don't do it too hard. Right. Because you can, you get worse you can than damage you are. the tube, yeah. and you can get worse than you are if you're not careful. But you know, just if it's just a slight adjustment, slightly move it, like rotate it uh, 360 degrees, or not 360, but rotate it uh, to the left or the right, just slightly, and that hopefully can help you tweak in your picture. It happens a lot, Tim, when you move games because the yokes will shift. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just part of moving stuff, you know, stuff yeah. inside mm -hmm. the cabinets gets shifted. So, but if you do that, you can hopefully rotate it back and get that picture even on the bottom and the top. So. Let's see what else we have here. Gohira says, I have a bar top cabinet with a weird CRT. It's a no-name Chinese arcade CRT that only looks good when the original jam board was hooked up. I have a Raspberry Pi modded in it. It looks off-center and too bright. I'm planning to replace it with an LCD, but I'm wondering if it's worth trying to fix. There's no schematics for the chassis anywhere. In it. And from looking at pics, it's, it's not just mine. Any thoughts? Sorry for the three-part comment. 
So, um, so he's got he's got this bar top that has a CRT monitor in it, Tim. Mm-hmm. But he's saying that it it, it, it works fine with a regular board. board, right? But he's having problems with the Raspberry Pi. Now the question is that well, how's the Raspberry Pi getting? I mean, is it a VGA CRT or right. is it a, is it an arcade style CRT? So, like, are you are you trying to em, are you emulating the 15 kilohertz via software on the Raspberry Pi? Or are you using a converter board? Because yeah. um, that matters a lot as to whether the picture, how the picture syncs. So if you're using a converter board, a lot of times there's things on the converter board that can help you sync the picture in. Mm-hmm. If you're going straight to VGA, to yeah. If you're going straight to VGA, there's not a whole lot you can do. Sometimes there's some on like an on-screen display settings that you can do, mm-hmm. but not always. Uh, it depends on the monitor. So I mean, the real question here is like what. How are you connected to the monitor? Are you connected to it via VGA port? Are you connected to it uh, via, like, standard arcade hookups? And are you simulating the 15 kilohertz, or are you just using, like, straight VGA 31 kilohertz for it? Um, Are you using a converter board? Because all those things can factor in as to how you sync in that picture. So, I mean, because if if it's working fine with the JAMA board, that means that your Raspberry Pi is sending it a signal that it doesn't like as much as the JAMA board. Right. And so what we need to figure out what we can do to change the signal off of your Raspberry Pi in order to make it more like the JAMA board and hopefully make it sync better with your monitor. Uh, I think the monitor's probably okay if it's syncing with the mm-hmm. JAMA board fine. So the question is what things are on your Raspberry Pi that are, that are getting a little wonky. So, okay, let's see what else we have here. Danny says, do you think Arcade 1-Up will create a shooting game? I think it'd be very hard for them to do that. I think if the demand is there, they will. Well, but I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm was shocked I did a Star Wars. So. Yeah, exactly. And I think the Ninja I Turtles, mean, especially too. Yeah. I mean, both those are kind of shocking there. And so, I mean, the fact that they did both those, I think, shows that there's a willingness to do things that are outside the box. And so, maybe a light gun game is not out of the realm of possibility. Guys, you have to remember though, a lot of light gun games used optical sensors, so it'd have to be some sort of infrared sensor uh, setup or something like that in order to work properly. And mm-hmm. so, uh, probably with some potentiometer type uh, movement and stuff like that. So Yeah. Let's see what else we have here. Uh, just wanted to say thanks for the information over the years, and that's from Trailer Vert. So there you go. Awesome. You're welcome. <laughs> I, right. I guess. Are we caught up? I, I think we're so. caught up. Okay, so let us move here to Kristen. Now, okay. Chris is... Chris's has got, let's see, it's like a three-part question here. Yeah, okay. I think. Let's see. Uh, Two-part. Okay, okay, so let's go ahead and go into this. Hey, guys, I have a Golden T2005 that has been upgraded. Not by me. I'm useless, he says. <laughs> I doubt you're useless, but um, we'll, we'll leave that to your determination. To a Golden T complete. The game works well, but the monitor is getting pretty dark, almost unplayable when I first turn it on, and then after 15 minutes, minutes brightens up a little so that it's just playable. I have adjusted brightness and contrast, but they are now maxed out, and the screen is is still very red and purple, but it works okay. I would like to switch it out if it's relatively easy. I see lots of info on your question and answer database as well as other websites about switching out old CRTs for new LCD LED monitors, but I don't know where to connect the Gombas GBSA200 that you mentioned in one of your posts. I have attached a couple of pictures on my board. Would you be able to show me exactly where I need to connect it and let me know what you th- uh, if you think it will work based on the board and the pictures? Thank you for any help you can offer. Your website is great. Sincerely, Chris. So, Tim, you can see the pictures over here. Uh-huh. Uh, his screen is definitely pink and purple, yeah. I would say, and um, we can see the boards and everything. Now, Tim, you will notice that this Golden T2005 board has something that looks like a VGA output and a VGA card. But with this with this um, year and model of Golden T, 
it will not put out the 31 kilohertz VGA signal. It oh. will only do medium res and standard res. Okay, so, so you couldn't you, just hook up an LCD right straight as to As tempting as that would be, that you would will be not nice, be able to sync. Right, exactly. So okay. it's still, the, the video card is just there. It connects to the main board, and the main board still puts out the video signal through the JAMA connector. So that's something to keep in mind. So, Tim, with Chris here, I mean, what do you think is the best way for Chris to go about this issue? Obviously, he's looking at maybe replacing it with an LED LCD. He mentions the Gombus 8200, which is a very popular video converter. Uh, what do you think he should do? Which direction do you think Chris should go in? Well, my personal opinion is is that he should try to fix the screen that's on there. It looks like it's just missing a color, maybe a green or something, um, which is, you know, he's not getting the desire because he's not getting the brightness because he's not getting all the true colors. Sure. And I would try... Um, to check the inputs and pins and all that kind, kind of stuff, like we and, and maybe do a cap right? kit or get that monitor fixed. Having said that, um, it certainly looks great with an LCD in there, and the directions uh, should come with, with the uh, GBS board. Should they come do? In there, but they're pretty terrible because they need to shoot a video on. It's not going to be hard. It's going to hook up. Kind of like your regular monitor, though. The funny thing is up. that at one point we hooked one of these up to a Golden Tee and we should have filmed it. Yeah. Uh, but we didn't. So we definitely hooked these up before. And there's a lot of videos on YouTube that, uh, by other people showing how to hook this up. But, guys, we really don't recommend using these converter boards anymore, Tim. Because no, you not can, a, if you buy an RK-quality LCD. Right. Then... You, you, you don't just, need it. You don't need it. Right, exactly. If you buy something that's multi-sync, right. which we've talked about a lot, multi-sync monitor, if you buy a multi-sync LCD, it will support... 15 kilohertz, 25 kilohertz, and 31 kilohertz. Right. Which means that you can use VGA, you can use medium resolution, you can use standard resolution, and you don't have to have the converter board. So, I mean, in all, you know, in that, in most cases, Tim, we're going to recommend going that route. I think so. Because yeah. we want we want you to have arcade quality parts in your arcade cabinet. Now, sure. you can always go the Gombus route, get the video converter board, get an off-the-shelf monitor, and it will work. But mounting the monitor is harder. Dialing in the video converter is harder. Doing a lot of things. It just it's a lot more difficult to go that route. It is cheaper, but there's it's more labor intensive right. in my opinion. So it kind of depends on which way you want to go for that. So Tim, let's go ahead and, and show this. So. Let's talk options. From your picture, it looks like the current monitor is probably missing a color. Perhaps green, Tim. Because, I mean, mm, I don't know about you, but when, yeah. you, when you play Golden Tee, like, you should see a lot of green. Lots of green. Tons <laughs> of green on the screen. And I'm not seeing anything. Yeah, I see pink red. and purple. I see yeah. a lot of red. Uh, and I see some blue. blue. I see some blue in there. Uh-huh. So, But I definitely don't see green. So I'm guessing he's missing green. Um, which is why you're not getting the desired brightness. You can try checking your input wires and pins, Tim. We mentioned that. Color transistors as well. Neckboard. Kind of the same stuff we uh-huh. mentioned on the Miss Pac-Man earlier. If you really want to go the replacement route, we recommend buying a commercial grade open frame arcade quality LCD monitor. Can I right. say that again? Look for the words Com- open frame. That's where it will separate it from a non uh, typical arcade monitor. Commercial grade open frame arcade quality <laughs> LCD monitor, which can run you around $400 to $500, which I know is pricey. Because right. you can get an off-the-shelf monitor for, like, what, 150 right. And then you can get the converter board for, like, 50 or less. So $200 versus 400 is almost half the price. But the amount of time that you will spend putting, trying to mount the monitor, and trying to get the converter board dialed in and stuff, it's worth it. Oh, yeah. To just buy one that's ready to go. Make sure you get a multi-sync one. That's key, Tim, that supports standard and or medium resolution. And, Tim, it doesn't matter if it only supports standard or medium. Most Be- of the new ones do. Right, because, deep. exactly, because Golden T will use either. You just have to make sure you get the dip switch settings correct. So, uh, you see, there you go. Louie um, just actually uh, linked to one. The 25-inch multi-sync. And they are, they're expensive. Right. They're expensive. But 
do it right. Yeah. Right? Fix it like, you know, like, like a... You're going to keep it. It's exactly. Fix it Fix it the right way. So the GBS 8000 series con- uh, converter board will work as well, like we mentioned. But it's just a whole lot more hassle, Tim, to go that route than to go... It's going to be a lot cheaper just to fix the monitor that's in there, even if he has to send it off. That is true. So if you're having issues with the monitor itself, you ship it off. I mean, more than likely, this is going to be a pretty easy fix for somebody to find because mm-hmm. it is probably color-related. So, like I said, a color transistor, maybe um, some wiring issue, or maybe an input issue, input pin issue. I mean, it's going to be something small and simple. If you get that greener store, though, I think you'll be very happy with your monitor. What do you yeah, it looked way better. So... There you go. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and, and you know, you could go with a smaller monitor. Uh, Goya says, you know, like a 14-inch. You could go with, like, a 19-inch. 19-inch multi-sinks are, what, 200 bucks. Yeah. But the problem is is then you have a really small screen and a really big cabinet. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it just depends on what you want to do there. But hopefully it answers your question, Chris. You might try getting, seeing about uh, seeing if you repair the monitor or sending it off for repair. Tim, we have a lot of monitor repair guys mm-hmm. on our web on our resources page at arcaderepairtips.com slash resources. Or you can buy an open frame commercial grade arcade quality LCD for a little bit more. Or you can go the video converter and off the shelf monitor route. It's just kind of it costs you more in time than it does money. So right. it's kind of like time versus money. If you buy the commercial grade open frame arcade quality LCD, it pretty much it. it made to go into an arcade cabinet it already mounts well and all that kind of stuff if you buy an off-the-shelf one you'll have to figure out how to mount it you'll have to figure out how to down the converter board yeah. it just takes more time on your part so this really depends on which way you want to go with that chris so hopefully it answers your question and let us know which way you decide to go on this repair okay tim let's see what else we have here um yeah and louis is it looks like he's um he's actually replying to uh uh, let's see, Gohira. I hope I say, okay. say that right. Um, a couple of times where he's talking about um, you know changing that signal. He says he's using a JPEG to convert the um, the the Pi's VJ signal to CGA. Um, the Pi can do 240p, 15 kilohertz natively, so maybe the JPEG is messing it up. It could be the the amplifier and the JPEG could be having an issue. Um, but you can also try a converter, like a video converter, the Gombus uh, inverse of this converter board. There's a Gombus board that converts VGA to to um, standard resolution 15 right. kilohertz. And so if you wanted to, you could try putting the Pi into like native 31 kilohertz mode and then try a converter board and see if that converter board gives you different results. Yeah, especially if it looks good on a JAMA board. Right, which he's already said. So mm-hmm. and, and Louis linked to some monitors and things that he can get uh, and some different things. So, I mean, yeah. Guys, I know that arcade quality, like arcade design monitors are expensive, but you kind of get what you pay for. You do. So it is what it is. Robert says, about a brand new Pac-Man, I bought, let's see, a brand new Pac-Man uh, right out of the box, called support, never anything done on issues, so anyone want a Pac-Man? Okay, so I guess Robert has a Pac-Man if somebody's looking for one, is what wow. it sounds like. Um, let's see. A um, brand Michael's, new Pac-Man? Yeah, that's what it says. Uh, let's see. Michael says, hello, guys. I thought Tim was out of the country. He was yesterday. yesterday. As of yesterday. Yes. He was out of the country yesterday. Mm-hmm. He came back in just for the live show. That's it. That's right. Just for you guys. thought we were going to have to Skype and do it, but I, um, you know what I found out about German uh, high speed? What? It's the worst. Are <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. supposed to do that? Uh-huh. Yeah. That's, that's uh-huh. not the joke. Though. Oh, okay. That's not the joke. What kind of speeds were you getting over there? Were you doing speed tests? Um, yeah, we're not very good. But I think it's where we, the hotel we were staying at. I think they like to keep it a little more um, uh, old school. You gotcha. Know? Sounds good. Okay. Here, oh, okay. Robert is elaborating. Let's see here. Um, let's see. Bought a new, a new Pac-Man uh, right out of the box. Called support. Never had anything done on issue. So, is this so it sounds like he's, ha- he's got a one-up? white screen. 
that's right out of the box. Yeah, I don't know if it's an arcade one up. Robert is in an arcade one up. That's a good question. Yeah. Because if it is, because we've seen some widescreen stuff on those specifically. Uh-huh. So if it's an arcade one up, you you need to try to call them, and try to call them like fifteen or twenty times because their support lines get really busy. Mm-hmm. And so make sure that you are trying to call multiple times because I've heard people complain about not being able to get through support. Send them an email. Call them multiple times. Hopefully, you'll get through to them. But um, if it is a arcade one up, we would recommend you calling the company. Uh, if you need support too, you can reach out to them on Twitter. They're actually pretty good about so, getting yes. back to you that way. So, uh, but you may reach out to Arcade One Up Official on Twitter as well and let them know that you're having an issue with it. So, what has happened is that those boards will go bad or the monitors will go bad, and they will ship you a new board or a new monitor depending on what your issue is. Wow. So, and they can walk you through some troubleshooting steps, but go ahead and, like I said, call them. Call them a couple of times because it takes a while to get through. So, um, and, and like I said, they've sold a ton of these things, and they're still trying to support as many things as they've sold is, I think, very difficult. Yeah. And so, you know, expect some wait times mm-hmm. and, and busy signals and stuff when you call. Remember, they're in California, too, so adjust for the, for the time. time that you call. Absolutely. So. Okay, Tim, let us move on to Eddie here. Now, Eddie does have a three-part question, or okay. a three-screen a three screen question, quite a bit in here, so I'm going to try to get it real quick. Hi, Tim, I was hoping you could provide me some guidance on troubleshooting some issues that I'm having with a stand-up arcade build that I'm working on. I purchased a JAMA 2001 board, and I have been watching a lot of your videos to gain a better understanding on how to install it into the cabinet. Most of the instructions seem pretty straightforward, and I'm racking my head trying to figure out what's, what I'm doing wrong. I followed the metrics and hooked up all of the Player 1 and Player 2 wires to their respective buttons and terminals. I am using 5 volt lights to illuminate the buttons, 6 for Player 1 and 6 for Player 2. All the switches are grounded and I triple checked the lines to make sure that they are going to the correct endpoints. After getting everything hooked up, I powered on the Jamma board for the first time and it boots to the game menu but none of my buttons or joysticks are responsive to any commands. I am actually only able to select the one player start button and since it is highlighted on only the first game of the menu, it will start to load the game but none of the buttons or joysticks are responsive. So I have to hold the one player start button for 3 seconds and it goes back to the game menu but I can't do anything else can you provide some help to troubleshoot what I need to do or what I'm not doing right any guidance would be appreciated this is my first build and I am lost thanks Eddie okay I think I got through all that did I did I do it yeah you did it okay there you go so I understand yeah so we got Eddie here and I mean he got he has a JAMA 2001 2001 right so there's a lot of these different multi-JAMA boards but he's got a multi-JAMA board and basically his player one start button works and nothing else nothing else now here's the deal Eddie already got back to us about what the he he said he already fixed it and he told us what it was but let's see if you can guess what it is Tim because I know what solved the problem yeah every time that I have seen this it's been a wire connection grounding issue and um, you gotta notice that your wire your ground wire runs probably up to the player one start button but from there it should be daisy chained around to all the others and if there's any break uh, in that chain, uh, it can cause whatever buttons are after it not to work. And since nothing is working, I would have started with that player one and went from the to wherever it goes next, and I would have been doing some continuity tests to see where the break in the wire was. Well, Tim, you nailed it on the head because he emailed <laughs> back and said it was a break in his daisy chain ground wire. So okay. we will go ahead and throw the up here, though, for that information so you guys will have it. There are a couple of things that can cause the issue. Grounding is very important when it comes to wiring up your controls. We typically use the ground wires at the start of the harness, pins 1 and 2, as our inputs from the power supply, and the ones at the end, pin 27 and 28, as our outputs to the controls. Keep in mind that some multi-game boards, or many, use pin 27 as 
has an action button, button six, so you may only have a grounded pin 28 to work with. Something to right. keep in mind. It's also possible your ground wire danger chain broke, which was the case in this particular issue, Tim, or came out of the connector right after the player one starts switch. Use continuity saying on your mirror to check the connections. And Tim, like I said, we heard back from Eddie, and that was indeed the case. Okay, so there awesome. you go. So we, well, he solved his own issue, but <laughs> we would have told him the same thing that fixed it. Well, still very helpful for everybody else watching to learn and or to think about that next time that happens. Uh, very, very, very common. Absolutely. Now, Tim, um, it looks like Robert, he it is an arcade one up. Uh, Louis said, uh, asked him if you can take it back to Walmart. He said, no. If you can fit it back in the box, you can take it back to Walmart. I believe that. Okay. Uh, I mean, I have, because here's the deal, Tim. I have seen ones that I know were open for a fact on the shelf. Yeah. So I know that they have taken them back. Mm -hmm. So it may say, do not return to store. But if it never worked out of the box, guess what I'm doing? I'd take it back to Walmart. Taking it back to the store. So just do it. And so, yeah, and you see, Louie Young said, with Walmart, usually if you make a scene at the counter, they will whisk it away and take the return. How long has it been since February? Now, mm-hmm. that's a little long, but if you have the receipt still, Maybe I, so. I would still try. Because I think that in in, uh, in this particular case, but, you but, have a product that you bought, it's not working. Yeah, but Arcade1Up will probably take care of it, too. Correct. They yeah, want... so if you contact Arcade1Up, either via Twitter or their phone number or their email address, if you contact them... They, they do take care of issues, but, Tim, it does take a while. Okay. And like I said, getting through is very difficult. So they may it may take six weeks for you to get your part, but you should get your part. Okay. So I will well, say that. I mean, I've gotten stuff from them. Um, I've got the deck protectors. It took four weeks in some cases, but I did get them. So, I mean, I'm not going to I'm not gonna sit here and say they don't ship stuff out. They do. It takes a while. Be patient. Yeah, did it, did it, has it been this way from day one, or did it just go out on you? Yeah, it sounds like it's been the state way from day one. Sounds like that way. Yeah, me. so, I mean, in that particular case, take That'd it back to Walmart. That'd be frustrating, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I would take it to Walmart. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Billy, do you guys do pinball tips as well, or just video games? We do some pinball tips. Um, our guys who run the podcast... Eric and Rusty are way better with pinball than we are. We'll be but, honest with you. Yeah, we'll go ahead and ask. We'll be glad to try to tackle it. Absolutely. So if you've got a question, let us know. We're smart enough to tell you when we don't know. There you go. Michael, have you um, have to go to Once Upon a Time in America, so I'll watch later. Have a good show. Okay, Michael, we'll see you All later. Right, Let's see what else we have here. I have a question about Jurassic Park pinball by Data East. The right flipper is really weak, and I've ruled out mechanical stuff. I can't figure it out. Um, and Louis says, have you tested your coil? That's the first thing to check. Yeah. Now, they do have flipper rebuild kits that you uh-huh. can get. And, and so it may be worth getting the flipper rebuild kit. So that way you can just do all that. It comes with a new coil, Tim, right? And some mm-hmm. other things as well. Uh, usually new um, new diodes for the drives and stuff like that and some other things. Yeah, so, you I mean, can also run a ground straight to your coil and see if it, if it flips good like that. You'll know that it's probably a transistor or something that drives it or is it actually a bad coil exactly so i mean there's a, switch a couple it with of, the other coil exactly so yeah if you if it's only your your left flipper switch the coil with the right flipper see if that improves it if it does just order another coil yeah but they do have flipper rebuild kits so you can that's use worth one. rebuilding especially if you're going to keep it and it's been a while or now you're saying both it. of the flippers are weak okay so in that particular case uh you may need to get like just a like i said a rebuild kit for both but if you but I mean, if they're weak, Tim, a lot of times the drive wouldn't yeah, then do it's, that. Yeah, then it's, uh, sometimes it's the board uh, not allowing enough power to go through them. Right. That's I, why I would test them with a the ground. You can fire the flipper yourself without the board doing it. See if that's a difference. And then when your board plays it. But having said that, we had a Data East game before, and a lot of people complained 
a bottom bin week period. Like right. you just didn't get much better. Sure. But I would definitely uh, consider rebuilding at least one of them to see if it improves it. There you go. And you see, uh, Louie actually linked to the uh, Flipper Rebuild kits as well. So there you go. And uh, Robert does say day one on that arcade one up. He said, I got new artwork in three weeks. It was fa- um, was faded screen. Never, re- never received. Just disappointed. But thank you for the advice. You really have to be on them a lot mm-hmm. of times, Tim. They are, um, you know, and like I said, I think it's because they're overwhelmed with the amount of, so. of tech support that they've had. So complain on Twitter. Right. <laughs> so it's public and everybody can see you complaining. I think that helps a lot. I think so, But too. also try to call them a couple of times and see if you get through. Tim mentioned make sure that your time zone matches up with their support times because yeah. that's very important. Because no support is there past the time they say they're going to be there. Never. Right. So they leave like five minutes before they're supposed to close down in a lot yeah. of cases. So make sure that your time zones match up with what they're I don't their know they're always are. there right on time either. But. No, they're not. <laughs> so, But it is what it is. Try calling a couple of times throughout the day and see if you get somebody to help you. Yep. So there you go. Okay, Tim. I think we're caught up at this point. Let's go ahead and move to Jacob. Hey, guys. I was, uh, I was curious about this here. Where do you buy your capacitors from? I am attempting to fix up a English Mark Dart circuit board. I've heard the real Bob Roberts is good, but heard he went out or he went silent a few months back. Any other good places where I could buy capacitors from? Thanks. So Tim, we got Jacob here. He's just looking for a place to buy capacitors. Okay. So where would you recommend buying capacitors? Well, from? the first place I would start for any part is go to our resource page, and on there we list people that not only. Uh, are we familiar with in other words there are a lot of people out there a lot of places you could buy them but these are people that we have used before and had good experiences with uh some of them i can think of we'll talk about in the next slide or syracuse semiconductors arcade shop uh in catalog twisted quarter there's many others um even mike's arcade other places that you can buy them from uh for a kit you know like that will sell you if you know the monitor type, what a kit for it that will place most of the capacitors uh, on your monitor. But you can, if it's a certain capacitor, then you could just get one or two or ten or however many you need going through like DigiKey or Mauser or somebody like that. Right. So it really depends on what you're looking for. In your particular case, it'd probably be better to go to DigiKey or Mauser just because you can get the individual caps mm-hmm. from them. Uh, a lot of the cap kit places, are, they offer the kits, but they're not going to offer the kits for the dartboard that you're looking for. Right. But at the same time, if you email them a list of caps that you needed, more than likely they could put together a kit for you. Right. So, But somebody probably has, it's a certain type of monitor that if you can find out what kind... Uh, or it's on a board or something. It's not necessarily a monitor, right? Right. Uh, that, yeah, if you can read out those caps, uh, they will. Can, the same people who make cap kits usually have those caps around or they'll make you a kit. Exactly. So I'll go ahead and show this here, Tim. CRK Parts Suppliers on our resources page, Tim, and Louie also linked to it in the uh, chat there so you guys can go to it. Some of the cap kit suppliers we recommend are Syracuse Semiconductor, Arcade Shop, Ian Kellogg, and Twisted Quarter. Guess what, Tim? Yeah. We have ordered from every one, single one of those places, sure. and guess what? Well, We've always gotten good caps. Yeah. So, I mean, we've never had a problem with them. So, if you're ordering, if you need cap kits, order from one of those places. They'll hook you up. If you're looking for individual caps, though, Tim, try ordering directly from electronics parts suppliers such as DigiKey, Mauser, etc. Uh, you can try ordering individual caps from the cap kit suppliers we mentioned above. They may be a little bit more expensive, but they would probably put together the cap for you, the kit for you. So, you give them a list of caps, more than likely they can put together a kit for you. And there's DigiKey and Mauser. Louie just put them in the live chat for you guys. So, cool. Okay. 
So that answers uh, Jacob's question there, Tim. Yeah, it, if you email one of the cap kit suppliers and tell them what caps you need, they can get together the caps for yeah, it. Yeah, some of them will. They'll are... charge you for it, but I mean, sure. if you're if you're just looking to put together a kit, because more than likely the caps that are on, on that, um, that was a uh, English darts game, uh-huh. whatever caps you have on there, more than likely are the same cap, caps you find in cap kits and other things. Sure. So, there you go. So hopefully answers your question, and good luck with your repair, Jacob. Now we got a couple of questions from our website. AJ says, I have an Arcade Legends 2 with screen burning. Can I replace the monitor? If so, with what and how? Thanks, AJ. John says, my vertical screen collapse comes and goes anyway to help it stay for good. So, Tim, we've got screen burn and vertical collapse. Those right. are our topics du jour from AJ and John. So, what can we do about screen burn? Well, if it's already permanently burned, etched into the monitor, there's not a lot you can do. You can I just say not a... Thing. Yeah, <laughs> not much. I mean, you, right. you can do some things to mask it, like putting a piece of smoke glass over it, smoke plexiglass, but more than likely you're going to have to replace the monitor or replace the tube, uh, which is not really um, the, an easy option, but sometimes it's just time to replace the monitor. If you got another tube lying around, some people do, Tim. If you got another tube lying around, you just throw another tube in it. Right. Some people don't. Uh, if you don't, you can check junkyards and stuff like that. Or you can just replace the monitor with an LCD. I mean, yeah. those, are, those are kind of your options on that. Okay, I've got vertical collapse. It goes in and out. I hit the side of the monitor, it collapses, <laughs> I, I hit it again, and it comes back Anytime full. you got something, we've talked about this or even in this show, going in and out, working, not working, those are generally signs of a bad solder joint or a bad connection somewhere. So try removing it and retouching off the soldering or checking all your connections. Especially on the vertical IC. Yeah. Because that's, I mean, a lot of times when you get vertical collapse, there's you, somewhere in that vertical section of your monitor, there's going to be a cold solder joint more more than likely. So let's go ahead and throw this up here, Tim. For AJ, yes, you can replace the monitor, but if it's working, you might consider just replacing the tube. Of course, finding a compatible tube can be a hassle. Another trick is to install a piece of smoke plexiglass and we'll turn the bright and turn the brightness up on the monitor. This will mask the burn, and Tim, it works really well. Yeah, especially in that particular uh, now that's man. just an example. Yeah, that's but not his monitor. I know that we've used it before in a Miss Pac-Man. It really fooled the average person pretty good. Yeah, exactly. It does, and mm-hmm. it, uh, unfortunately, like I said, it doesn't or extend solve, the life of your doesn't monitor. solve the problem. No, okay, but it does mask it to where, and you turn up the brightness a little bit. Very hard to tell it has any screen burn on it. Yeah. Then for John, if your monitor collapses going in and out, you probably have a cold solder joint somewhere on your chassis, probably in the vertical section. Try removing the chassis from your cabinet, touching up any cold, cracked, or broken solder joints. See if it helps uh, in the vertical section as well as around the yoke wires, Tim. Uh, mm-hmm. That's for the places you want to definitely check. So um, if you touch up solder there, hopefully you'll get a nice full picture without the collapse uh, happening randomly. So there we go. Okay, we got a couple of things here. Uh, Michael says, talking about pinball, I played Deadpool. Fantastic table. If you see one, jump on it. I have I like played it Deadpool. Too. It's pretty decent. Yeah. So I'm not like, um, I'm not a huge fan of it, but I do like to play it. It's fun. Let's see what else we have here. Danny says, thoughts about buying a Guitar Hero arcade that needs some work? Wondering if it runs off a hard drive or a computer. I believe it does run off a computer. It's a computer. And oh, you used to have one, I forgot. Uh, so we, you have, we have a computer in storage. Oh, we do? For a Guitar Hero? Yeah. There you go. You make sell some it cheap. <laughs> I was going to say, I sell it pretty cheap. It works, or it was working. All right. Well, yeah, so it runs off a computer. It's it's a computer-based game, so yeah, mm, you will need a replacement a, computer. I think it has a dongle on it, too, that you might have to have, but mm-hmm. I have it. If you don't have any luck with it, let me know. Were they throwing yours out or something? Is that what you uh, Yeah, when they trashed it, I got it a couple years ago. It was in, it's in a big box. 
sitting right in right in front of one of your games. I think you'll know what box you're talking about. <laughs> kind of uh, crushed in on the top. But you will need a new computer, Tim. Now, let's say they're not buying it from you. I need What's to the cost that. of that computer? Uh, gosh, I don't even know if you can get it anymore. At least. Well, they still good, they're still selling them. I think. Yeah, I don't know what they would charge you just for a computer. At least eight hundred or thousand dollars, probably. Okay. And you know, I'm a lot cheaper than that. Sure, <laughs> sure. Let's see what else we got here. YouTube Punk, FYI, Harbor Freight has the Costco hand truck on sale for a hundred. Has a uh, let's see, a Magliner configuration with the lean config. Um, you have to get the email, the coupon code. I did see that, Tim. Yeah. So if you guys are interested in that, um, you can get it. It's a pretty good deal. Okay. So. See, Super Nintendo Zack, I go to the American Amusement Auctions in Texas. I find lots of great dedicated cabinets with terrible burn on the monitors. Well, all monitors work with all cabs. No. No. Well, I mean, yes, all monitors will work with all cabs, but not all tubes will work with all chassis. Is that yeah, I think that's it? what he was saying. Yeah, right. That's what I was not all tubes right. will work with all chassis, so you, you can't, can't just take a... Yeah, exactly. You can't just take a chassis from one and hook it up to a different tube. If the neck board fits... You got about an eighty percent chance, yeah. a seventy-five maybe, seventy-five percent chance of it working if the neck board fits. If the but neck if, board don't fit, you must quit. That's right, exactly. Remember that. So if the neck board doesn't fit, you must quit. But mm-hmm. um, and what you really want to do though is make sure that the resistance on both the tubes that you're testing are the same, and that the neck board fits. If those two things match, you're in business. So there you go. Let's see what else we got here. Yeah, YouTube Punk. Wish it was that easy. We do too. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Mr. Silvermania, hello from the Buckeye State. Hello. Cool. There you go. Uh, hello. Let's see. Um, Jason says, I've never made it to that auction, I, but I'm a, a fighting farmer. Oh, there you go. So, But, yes, um, so our buddy David is the one who runs American Amusement Auctions. Oh, he's nearby there. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, uh, he says he goes, uh, Superintendent of Zach says he goes to the American Amusement Auction in Texas. Mm-hmm. That's the one that we go oh, to. Us. I'm right. tr- actually going to try my best to make it to the next one with my boss to scope out some new games and maybe So maybe it. we'll be there. Okay. Maybe. So our friend David runs the auction. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's uh, he's one of the owners of it, and so uh, he has a lot of help with that, of course, but uh, David has been in the arcade business for longer than we have, mm-hmm. so he knows a lot about it and definitely knows what things should go for, so he has a very good idea of pricing, but um, I, I think it's a wonderful thing that there's still auction companies right now, too, oh, yeah. that you can still get games at, because without those, I don't know how many cabinets we'd be making out in the public, so... No. Absolutely. So, okay, let's see what else we have here. Oh, okay, actually, we can go into oh September twenty seventh. It looks like is the next one. Okay, September twenty seventh. Uh, so you got. I do want two to months. try to make that one. There you go. So okay, we have uh, I think our last one here from Christopher Tim. So, I enjoy watching your tips videos for repairing arcade games. All your monitor videos show a vertical hold and or horizontal hold on the control panel. My arcade monitor doesn't have those little dials. Okay. I like how he says that. I only have the color dials, brightest brightness and focus, but no other pan, uh, no other control panel. Am I missing something, or are those things sold separately? Should I buy a new flat screen replacement? Thanks, Christopher. Okay. So Tim, we have Christopher here. What should he do if he's missing the vertical and/or horizontal hold on his monitor? Well, we got to know what kind of monitor he has. To really, answer that question. It may just be he doesn't quite know where they are. Uh, they could be um, a pot that he doesn't recognize. But it also could be that he's completely missing a board, like his, uh, his neck board. Right. Uh, what, daughter board. Yeah, his, remote board. Remote board is completely missing. Right. Uh, so if that is the case, depending, you might just have to uh, buy a replacement or something that would work. But most of the time, um, we got to know what kind of monitors are like. There's not quite enough information here to really answer the problem well. 
but um, that that's kind of where I'm going with well, it. Well, what right I was going to say is we've seen I've seen a lot of missing remote boards on K7000 monitors. Yeah, it's pretty common. And now um, you can get those. And so, like, let's just go ahead and put this here. Pretty much every arcade monitor that we have come in contact with over the years has horizontal and vertical hold adjustments on the monitor chassis, Tim. Yeah. Can you think of one that didn't? Mm. Not many. No, not, not offhand. Yeah. They may not be labeled as such, but we have been able to locate them through the repair and testing process. With that said, we have seen monitors where the remote board's totally missing, Tim, or the pots have been damaged. Uh, if you let us know what kind of monitor chassis you have in your game, we can definitely help you out. Yeah, we need to know what kind. So, okay, so there we go. So, Tim, I think that actually wraps up the questions, but that kind of moves into your tech tip. Right. And, Tim, I'm going to take a little break here for a second. So, okay. I got to go to the restroom. All right. I'm going to be honest with I'm everybody out there because the we're tired. <laughs> exactly. We're tired, and it's been, a long, it's been a long day. I've been up for many, many hours. All right. So, and you have too. So, we're going to take a little so break here, guys. We're going to come back with Tim's tech tip real quick. But uh, hold on for just a second. Sorry for the pause, guys. So, here we go. There we go. Okay, that wasn't very long. Okay. We're back. Sorry, guys. It is like I said. It's been a long day. Mm-hmm. So, um, so Tim, like we were saying, we were talking about remote boards, and yeah. uh, this one's going to kind of pair into Christopher's question here. Right to our tech tip. Exactly. So, why don't you go ahead and tell us our tech tip? I'll go ahead and throw up the slide yes, okay. here so you can see it. Um, so. I'm just going to go over the slide with everybody. My tech tip this month is to purchase a remote board kit. So, especially if yours is missing or you're having trouble sometimes uh, with broken pots or whatever, uh, Twisty <coughs> Wrist Arcade. So this is a kind of a company we haven't talked about, but you put in the link right there. has replacement remote boards for the Wells Gardner K7000, just in case one of your game is missing for some reason. And I don't know why that particular chassis seems like we have run across some that are missing, and it, boy, it is hard to deal with when they are. Uh, they also offer remote potentiometer kits for Geo7 as well as the Sanyo 20EZ. These remote kits basically replace the adjustment pots. You know, we've had a lot of people talk about the sound problems on Nintendo boards from their pots. Maybe this would be a good alternative instead of trying to rebuild it and just get a replacement one. 
which makes it easier to tweak your monitor's picture to your liking. So you can bring that remote board around to the front, yeah, and then you don't have to hold the mirror up like we right. have to do, <laughs> like we've shown and, and had to do plenty of times. So uh, didn't know if, uh, this is one of those things we didn't know if everybody was aware of. Uh, maybe you don't need it today, but you want to write down that in case or sometime that you might need, or maybe even pick one up just for future repair or troubleshooting. We've seen a lot of K7000 series that definitely are missing remote boards. That's been something very... I think because they're so tiny and those mm-hmm. little connectors on the top come out so easily that it, they just it seems like they go missing. And sometimes they'll work without them, but a lot of times they won't, and you mm-hmm. won't be able to tweak the pictures. So uh, that's why I'm just guessing Christopher may have a K7000 Tim that he needs replaced. But maybe I do hopefully. like being able to relocate the Geo7 and Sanyo EZ pots on the front so yeah. that way i can adjust the monitor without standing in the back and right. having to see the mirror and everything like that so but uh, anyway so twisty wrist arcade there you go and we also had a um if you go to tw or uh, bit.ly slash twa dash remote dash boards it'll also give you all three of those options for you to purchase okay cool stuff uh, Mr. Silverball Mania says, that was quick. Did you wash your hands? LOL. I always wash my hands, Mr. Silverball Mania. Right. There mm-hmm. you go. I always do, Tim. Totally. Mm-hmm. He heard me. I have a witness. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, let's see what else here. I find that regular CRT TVs like 26 that works to replace burn-in screens, uh, and heck, they are free. You know, yeah. CRTs, though, I have. it seems like they have been kind of pricey. Like, the prices are going up. I think demand is well, I think going he's up. talking about tubes. He's yeah. finding tubes for free. I know. Well, he's but. saying from CRT TVs. In our area, it's hard to find a CRT TV, and when you do find it, it's kind of it's pricey sometimes. Yeah. Like, you can find one out. it's kind of grown into that retro exactly. kind of deal. Right, exactly. So trying to find that stuff can be very <laughs> difficult. So, I mean, if you're in an area where there's a lot of CRT TVs around and you can still get them and people are dumping them off on the curb and everything, then that's definitely an option for you to replace your CRT tube. But um, if you're not in that area, they may be pricier than what you're thinking. People used to just give them away. Yeah, but the Goodwill time. has stopped taking them. Mm. And so what ends up happening is a lot of CRTs end up electronics recycling. Yeah. And so they don't come back from that. They don't resell them. You know, they just tear them down for parts. Right. And so it's really hard. So it may be hard to find a CRT TV now in your area, depending, just because, like Tim mentioned, they're more retro now. So there you go. Okay, Tim. Well, let us continue on here. Now, Tim, this actually broke before the last live show. Right. But I liked it so much, I thought that we would talk okay. about it because I just think it's it's crazy. So right. um, let's go ahead and go into our discussion portion. Here are some of the news stories that have been making headlines on the Arcade Repair Tips Facebook page. Mom's angry after spending 100 euros, pounds, pounds, yes, on arcade machines to That's win pounds. Teddy for Child. And this is from the UK, Tim. A mom wanted to win a toy for her son after putting nearly 40 pounds into the crane machine. She complained to the staff. The staff adjusted the setting and she won a toy in the next go. She wanted a second toy. She put 60 pounds into the machine over the next few days. She complained again. Phone the manager who says you can put as much money in, 100 pounds for instance, but you still won't won't win win it. it. (laughs) So there you go, Tim. So how do you, so the question is, is, how do you feel about that? Yeah. Okay. I mean, she's, um, obviously it sounds like that this operator has set his crane games on what I like to call near impossible. Right. <laughs> so is that, is that, that a fair, that's a fair, is that a fair conclusion yeah. for me to make like, near impossible? Right. So, well, to me, a, a crane is a skill machine. It is a skill machine. taking out the skill if you make it where it's almost impossible to win. Well, but Tim, I mean, doesn't she bear a little bit of responsibility for dropping a hundred bucks in this and only getting one toy or something like that? Well, maybe, maybe not. 
Let's debate it. Here All we right. go, guys. Is it right for an operator to set their redemption games to be impossible to win? All right. Okay. Is it right, Tim, okay. <laughs> for an operator to set their redemption games to, or maybe near impossible? Okay. I won't say impossible, but let's say, is it right for an operator to set them to near impossible to win? So, Tim, with that said, let us do this, and we'll do a little restart here, and we'll get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the arcade debate segment for tonight. Now, Tim, we had a news story about a mom in the UK that spent a hundred pounds trying to win toys for her son and was only able to come away with one toy that was basically worth about ten U.S. dollars. Okay, so obviously the crane was said to near impossible. In fact, the manager of the amusement establishment actually admitted that to this woman that it was set to near impossible. So the question tonight in in the arcade debate is is it right to set redemption games to be impossible to win so tim i am going to let you decide which side you want to take is it right to set redemption games to be impossible to win well as an operator i better take this side that says it is not right because there's a difference in right and illegal or legal i don't think it's illegal but I do think it's not right to uh, make your game so hard, and I, I wouldn't want that in my arcade. But you think that the lady bears some responsibility too, so I want to get your opinion. My, obviously, I do not feel like they should set it that hard. Well, I think it's fine if an operator sets it on whatever he wants to set it with. And like you mentioned, Tim, I do think that this woman bears some responsibility with it. Okay, She's the one pumping money into a machine that is near impossible to win. And she was even told that, Tim. And so that's something to keep in mind. But Tim, give me your reasons why operators should set redemption games on not impossible to win. That you should allow well, them to win on a regular basis. Well, for one simple reason that it produces fun. And you can't put a money on the fun factor. That's what's going to keep people to come back. If you make it impossible to win, word will get out. People will know. People will post on social, post on social medias, and they'll rip you apart. Pretty soon, you won't have any business because what you are nobody will play it. So you're going to lose more plays. I will make more money by making mine somewhat possible to win to where it's actually possible. I'm still making a lot of money. People are playing it. We're still. Uh, refilling it with lots of prizes. The goal, if the goal is to make a profit, then why cut out the profit by making it impossible? Well, but here's the thing, Tim. Like, I think it depends a lot on what kind of toys you have in the machine, too. I mean, let's, let's say you have a key master with a switch inside of it, a Nintendo Switch. What does a Nintendo Switch retail for? $300, $300 okay? Right. $300 right now. So you have a Nintendo Switch in there, $300. You don't have to make it impossible to win, but you need to make back more than $300, right? And in most cases, you want to double at least your money, okay? Sure. Well, that means that that crane or Keymaster, whatever the redemption machine is, has to make $600 before it'll pay out. That may seem like it's impossible to win, but as we all know, one kid's going to walk up to that machine, he's going to win that big prize, and it's going to make a big difference in his life. He's going to think it was the coolest thing ever. And so my argument is that maybe they are just seemingly impossible to win, Maybe you can win, but the problem is that the the stuff inside is just too expensive for the operator to let go at cheap prices. What do you say? Well, then he should drop it drop it down to something that could be more affordable and he could make a profitable and win. Uh, otherwise, it almost like you should disclaim uh, percent odds of winning or something. It's kind of like going to Vegas, you know. 
um, slot machines are required by law to pay out a certain percent. And uh, there will also be warning signs sometimes. Uh, you, you know that you're gambling, and they should know that. Then it becomes such a gamble, uh, it takes out the skill in it. And that's where I'm at. It should be a skill machine that if you're good at, you can win. But, of course, the operator has to make money. So it has to be set hard enough that only a really skilled player should be able to win it. And we get that. But at the same time, um, it can't be so hard that nobody can win. You're taking the skill out of it, and it's just pure random luck. Well, and here's the deal I think I have with this guy, Tim. Obviously, he had a 10 basically a $10 toy in there, and she put $100 in, and she, she won one, but only because they set the difficulty easier. Would she have won anything if they wouldn't set the difficulty easier? Probably yeah, yeah, not. probably not. Okay, so I understand that, but you got to remember, it is the operator's right to do that. Sure I mean, if is. the operator wants to do that, and guess what? It's your right to do. Not go back. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you don't want to, to, to give money to a crooked operator whose, whose redemption machines never pay out, don't give money to a crooked operator whose redemption machines never, never pay out. So if you go to a place and every time you play you lose, you know, don't go there. And guess what? The operator, he'll probably change it. I mean, so my thing is let the market decide it, right? I mean, if people think that they're getting ripped off when they go to an amusement arcade, then don't go back to the amusement arcade. Okay, the the operator is free to do whatever he wants to do. If he wants to set it to impossible, I say he can set it to impossible, and it's up to you to be discerning as to whether or not you want to spend money at that establishment. Tim, I'll give you the last word. Well, then I should open up a, a place right across the street because I would get a lot of his business. I just think you're right. It's not illegal. It's just kind of dumb on the operator's part. Uh, they sh- they should make their games where they're easy enough to win at a profit. If you're doubling your money. Uh, you know, we can sit here. If I give you a dollar, you give me two dollars. We can play that game all day long. I'll play that with anybody that wants to play it. And you're still making money. I understand that, but there are operators who want to make more than well, just double or triple or whatever. Then that's called getting greedy, and that goes beyond taking the fun factor out of it. So, operators, I would advise you keep the fun in it. Make it to where you're making money. You have to make money to stay in business. Uh, it, most games are set up. You're going to make money. But at the same time, don't take the fun factor out by making it so difficult. So, guys, the question is, what do you think? Should Is it right for operators to set redemption machines to impossible? Please let us know by responding in the comments or the questions uh, or comments or the uh, reply to us if you're watching this on Twitter or Facebook. Let us know your thoughts about it, and we'll see you for the next arcade debate. Okay, Tim. Mm-hmm. I think we're done. So, obviously... Pretty um, the- interesting story, though. It's almost um, almost worth a follow-up story. You know? But, yeah, it's kind of like, um, and, I, and I'll save some of this maybe for last year, we were talking about the difference in the U.S. and Germany. And U.S. would say, we can't build this... Th- we were uh, going water skiing, and I won't get too far off here, but they have a water skiing thing uh, where it's not a boat that pulls you, it's like a pulley system that comes around and you grab this rope and you ski and it pulls you all around the lake. And he said, Would this work great in the United States? I said, Probably not because you don't have a lifeguard every hundred feet. Right. Somebody would fall down there and drown, they'd sue you. He said, And so this is the difference between some countries, the United States. In the United States, we're always constantly making a law based on something somebody does. Like, for instance, there is a law in some state that says you can't take your horse into a bathroom. Right. Why is there a law? Because somebody, somebody did it. To do it. Yeah. All right. So, but instead of 
getting on that one person, we make a law where nobody can do it, right? In other countries, it'd be like, well, that person died. They sh- they knew the risk. They shouldn't have done it. Or if they did something stupid and died, they say, now we're smarter because we have less stupid people. <laughs> um, that's pretty tough. Right. But uh, I think that it's just a difference. Kind of like uh, you knew the risk when you played. So, um, you know, it's kind of the, the stupid fee that you have to pay. And uh, I just think somewhere there should be a balance. I think you're right. So let's see what everybody says here. Um, let's see. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh-oh, it's about to get real. He says, of course, that isn't right. LOL. Unfortunately, I haven't found many fair cream machines. It's not right. Tim, everybody's with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, AOC wants cream machines to spit out dumbbells like confetti. Mm-hmm. Come on now, Jason. Okay, Danny says, isn't right, but trying to make money... Uh, but trying to make money but want them to come back should put the right prizes in, though. Um, it's operators' right to figure out when they don't make as much money. Seahorses, um, let's see, or uh, let's see, horses at night says, Woohoo, love the show, finally catching it again. Thanks for being back here. YouTube Punk, I went to Malibu Castle on the last day of operation. I played the skill crane, the claw drop, but never closed. And that's, a, that's more of a technical thing. Yeah. Um, that was probably the crane uh, not working then. Use a magnet. So, exactly. <laughs> Gave me a great laugh. I think it should be about the fun factor part. Makes customers happy. Um, when the robots come, I hope they make you guys leaders. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's like um, I, I enjoy when I see kids coming out of the arcade. One, one thing that we have is a big claw machine that gives away these great big 18-inch dimple yep. balls. And you see kids bouncing it. When they come out and the other kids that haven't went over there to play yet see these prizes... And they got a stuffed toy and something. They don't know that, yeah, they spent $30, but they got something they're taking home with them. Uh, it makes the other kids want to go and play. Like I said, uh, I, I like to have that fun factor. I want kids. I don't want them to go home empty-handed. So me, I should say that me and Tim actually have the same philosophy on this. We yeah, both believe that sure you should you should win when you go to a place with redemption. But we also believe in making a profit. Really, if you're making over about three or four times what the items are that you're giving away, if you're making more than four times... Yeah, then you're just being greedy exactly. and you're not really... Uh, the demand is not going to be as high. Right, exactly. So you're I mean, hurting yourself. Right, you're hurting yourself. If people can't win, they're not going to play. And that's right. what I'd encourage you. If you go to a place and you can't win, don't play. I make a lot more money by making it fun and... Uh, people continually want to play and i can i can prove it on paper oh yeah so and i think that's the difference so when people come to your place they want to win let them win it will cost you a little bit in prizes and stuff but like tim mentioned when people see other people winning guess what they want to do win so they'll spend money to win and i'd rather charge more per play and make it easier to win if I had to do it that way to make my profit. Exactly. So, I mean, I think that's what it really comes down to, is, is making sure that it, it's, like Tim mentioned, fair. And I do think that having the odds on the crane should be a requirement. I mean, if, I hate to say that. If you're just going to make it too tough, right? then, uh, you know, odds are you're going to lose 90% of the time. And maybe, or, maybe the way to say that in the law is to say if your prize is above a certain amount, value, yeah. a certain value, you have to post what the odds are of you winning it. That's a that's not a bad idea. Like so, like, you if said, you've got if a Nintendo a, Switch in there... Yeah, odds of winning Nintendo Switch... One out of 3,500 or whatever yeah. it is. You know, it's like, we're telling you up front, it's hard. Right. You know what I'm saying? You, you know. When you go to Vegas, Tim, they're, they're required to post the odds. Right. Okay? And this is the same kind of thing. I, see, I think in a lot of places, 
you really want to see those odds if it's something high dollar. Now, for like a little stuffed animal, I don't care. No, I don't care either. But, but for high dollar prizes, I think it should be a requirement. And uh, Danny says, I agree. A lot of greed nowadays. And there are people. Who, there are operators who will just set them in on, on Impossible and, you know, leave them like that. Right. You know, look, if you're an operator that's lazy and you have crane machines out on mm-hmm. location, guess what happens if you're giving away prizes all the time? you got to yeah, refill gotta them. you got to refill them. So. Exactly. And so, like, if it's hard, then, you know, you're not refilling them as much and you're making money. So I understand that to a certain extent. But it If you're going to make it hard, then, like you said, the harder it is, the better the prize should be. Exactly. So, absolutely. So, I go here. It says, I'd rather pay more to have a higher chance of winning. Sounds like a better alternative than, masking, than making it impossible. Exactly. So, if mm-hmm. you've got a switch in there, make it 10 bucks a play. Right. And mm-hmm. I know 10 bucks a play sounds high, but then you only have to play it 30 times to make back your money. 30 plays makes back your money, which means that you could give it away every 60 or 90 plays. Right. Instead of every 350 or yeah. whatever the case is. So. Exactly. So, I mean, you may not like paying the higher amount to play it, but it will increase your odds to do that, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So, I think it's an interesting topic. Yeah. I really do. So, I mean, but uh, me and Tim are very much in agreement on this, typically, that we want to see people win. Okay, Tim, let's talk about some of the recently announced Stern pinball machines. We have the Star Wars home pin right. and the new Jurassic Park pinball. I know we were talking about the Data East one earlier, which is mm-hmm. kind of an earlier take on that. But they are releasing a new Jurassic Park pinball machine and a Star Wars home pin, which is, Tim, just like it says, for home. Right. And so um, the, the uh, Star Wars home pin is for home use, so it's missing coin mix, has a smaller display than the commercial models, and features a list price of 4500 Okay. Tim, what do you think about that list price? Just curious. Um, compared to what a new one is? So a new one is what, It still 6, sounds 000? high, but I think it's probably about where it should be. If you find the right distributor, distributor you, though, you can. They all say high. Yeah. I was about to say, if you find the right distributor for a pro model, you can get it close to that. Wow. So, I mean, you can. Okay. The Jurassic Park IGN article, which Tim Stern has um, teamed up with IGN on several of these pinball releases... But it's actually somewhat critical of the game, mentioning that it's missing movie clips and sounds, which is surprising given their past relationship with Stern. Uh-huh. Uh, so it was actually a little critical. I, Tim, they basically got one actor from the original movie to do all the call-outs and everything. Okay. And it was, I forget, it was, I forget who it was. But, I mean, it wasn't one of the main one characters. Jeff it wasn't Jeff yeah. Goldblum or anybody. So, and I don't know if they, they couldn't use clips from the movie. It's all an, custom animations. Uh-huh. And none of the, like, I don't think there's any movie clips, like, audio clips either. Interesting. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of like, well, if you couldn't do all that, why do Jurassic Park? I like, don't know why. Yeah. You know, and maybe Jurassic World would have been better. I don't know. I don't know either. That, so, that one, the Star Wars one I'm more on board with than that one. Yeah. I and I don't know, sales will tell. I don't know who out there is going, I can't wait to buy this pin. It right. Just, I don't know. I mean, it looks a... cool. It's got like a little uh, T-Rex on the play field, and uh-huh. he like releases balls, you know, like he spits them out at you and stuff like that. And it's got some, and it's got some cool things yeah. on it. It doesn't have the Jurassic Park Jeep, though. They had to make like a custom, like um, the Stern design team, George Gomez in particular, had to make like a custom vehicle. They okay. didn't look anything like the Jeep, uh. and they just called it something generic. Yeah. So it's like generic Jurassic Park. You could have just made Dino Game. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And why didn't you? Why didn't you just make that? Exactly, it would have been cheaper, and you wouldn't have to worry about licensing. Well, I think so. Because I mean, it's not like T Rexes are. It's not like T Rexes are copyright or anything, right? You know. But anyway, so I mean, I, if it sells well, who cares, right? right? I mean, it's Jurassic Park. People love Jurassic Park, so I mean, maybe it'll sell fine. I don't know, we'll but see. it just seems like it's missing a lot of things that you'd expect from a movie licensed game. If okay. That makes sense. 
So, uh, and Gohira says forty five hundred sounds like a lot for a home machine, but then again, I'm not rich. And guys, pinball machines are expensive; they really are. Yeah. But um, like I said, you can get a pro model for close to that if you look around. Okay. Find the right distributor; you can get it for close yeah. to that. Excuse me. So, <laughs> but anyway, so those will be coming to a arcade near you, maybe sometime. Maybe soon. soon. So there you go. Uh, Tim, we also had uh, this news about the Hallmark keepsake for this year is the Defender. Nice. So last year we had Donkey Kong, right? right? This year we had Defender with lights and sounds. And you can order it, Tim, from Hallmark or on Amazon. We have the Amazon link right there as well. But throwback to fun times at the video arcade with mm-hmm. this Hallmark keepsake Defender arcade game Christmas ornament. The console lights up, plays classic sounds from the game, press the player buttons to see the game illuminate, and hear the unforgettable sounds of timeless arcade classics. The ornament is currently priced at $22.99 on Hallmark's website, and you should buy it now because it they'll run up. out mm-hmm. and you won't be able to get it. Right. So, um, Price should, will go up. Exactly. So go to Amazon, which I think has it maybe a dollar cheaper, if you go to the Amazon site, and uh, we can show that. But go ahead and pick it up because if you want it, you need to get it now because if you wait till Christmas, it'll be gone. Probably so. This is always what happens, so just trust us. It is what it is. So, um, But it's very cool, Tim. Uh, I have the Pac-Man one and the Donkey Kong one like okay. this. Um, I did not get the Galaga one. I wish I had that one. But um, I do have those two, and I am looking forward to getting the Defender as well. So yep. make sure you order it. Um, like I said, Hallmark, Amazon. Hallmark stores, Tim, carry them as well. Okay. So if you have a local one, too, you can go there. And then, Tim, I thought that this was um, I thought this was interesting. Well, before I go on here, Danny says, Like pinballs, but just too expensive. I could own a lot of arcades with that money. Exactly correct. Didn't they do the same thing with Spider-Man pin? Jason says, wonder how those sales went. They did. They did mm-hmm. make a Spider-Man pin, and I don't know how the sales were for that one. That's a good question. Obviously Stern is a nothing. privately held company, and yeah. they don't have to release sales data. No. And speaking of privately held companies, Tim, did you hear that Chuck E. Cheese is it's not going, going public? It's going to stay privately held. Correct. There was, deal there, was fell through. there was talk that they were going to go public, but they are going to stay private. And, Tim, with that in mind, we have some Chuck E. Cheese news here that I thought mm-hmm. you'd find funny. Yes. Chuck E. Cheese compares fake currency Bitcoin to prize tokens, setting up a tr- Twitter feud between the mascot and furious crypto fans. Product Hunt founder Ryan Hoover tweeted, Chuck E. Cheese tokens are cool, but I'd rather earn Bitcoin, along with a link to a page for Satoshi's Games, a Satoshi's Games a platform which you can earn Bitcoin by playing games. Pretty neat. Okay. Chuck E. Cheese did not take, or, um, or let's see, Chuck E. Cheese did not take the insult lightly, to each his own fake currency, the mascot's Twitter account responded, <laughs> basically calling Bitcoin a fake, fake currency. currency. Right. Now, here's In other the words, big... I'm more, it's just as real as a Chuck E. Cheese coin. Exactly. Well, I mean, except a Bitcoin uh-huh. is worth a whole lot more than is. a Chuck E. Cheese token. I'll trade you some Chuck E. tokens <laughs> for right, some, some Bitcoins. That's right, some Bitcoins. That's right, exactly. So I just thought it was interesting yeah, it was that interesting. the mascot's uh, Twitter account decided to um, insult Bitcoin like that. Yeah. So almost like they didn't know what Bitcoin was, maybe. Right. I have no idea. But anyway, we all know Bitcoin is worth quite a bit right now. Tim, I don't know what the price is. Would $10, you like $10,227 to... at 5 o'clock. There you go. $10,227. So one Bitcoin is $10,000. One Chuck E. Cheese token is $0.14. Cents. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> is, that, is that about right? Yeah. With token right. discounts, right? It's $0.33 cents now. You only get 3 or $4. Oh, I forgot about that. $0.33. Cents. Oh, that makes it so much better on the conversion factor, though. Right. <laughs> so $0.33 cents for a Chuck E. Cheese token trade, or $10,000 for a Bitcoin. I'll trade you some Chuck E. Cheese tokens for a Bitcoin. There there you go. So, uh, Chuck, Chuck E. Cheese always keeping it real, Tim. Always. So, where a kid can be a kid and uh, apparently can't ignore cryptocurrencies. Yeah. So, there <laughs> you go. Okay, um, let's see what else we have here before we uh, wrap it up here, Tim. Uh, let's see. Jason says he's got the, uh, the Defender ornament. It's very cool. 
Okay. The Donkey Kong one is slightly larger, though, which yeah. is interesting. So interesting. Uh, I have the Donkey Kong one. It's, it's really nice. The Donkey Kong one is That's interesting. Great. Putting them side by side, they would be larger. Absolutely. So, Okay, well, I think that'll wrap it up. Okay. Yes, so let's go ahead and go to our reminder here that we want your arcade-related videos. If you want some free advertising for your YouTube channel, we're looking for people to submit short videos, 10 minutes or less, about arcade-related topics. Send a link of your video to questions at arcadeprecktips.com. Our staff will review it. If we like it, we'll use it during one of our live show episodes. Make sure you put a plug-in for your channel so people will know where to find you. We look forward to seeing your submissions. And, Tim, we've actually um, had quite a few people take advantage of that. Not recently so much, but in the past. Um, so if you want to get some advertisement for your channel, send us a nice little video of yours, and we'll put it on the live show at some point, either at the beginning or the end or the middle or sometime, and we'll uh, help promote your channel for you. Then here we go right here, Tim, to our contact information. We have our general email address, address at questions at arcaderepairtips.com. Questions at arcaderepairtips.com. Put live show in the subject. It will be mentioned on the show if you do that. Uh, we also have our YouTube page, which you're on currently, but if you ever need to get to it again, youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. Comments from the last show will be covered on the next episode. And Tim, we had a couple of those tonight. Yeah. So obviously if you leave comments on the last show, we will cover them on the next one. Our podcast email is podcast at arcaderepairtips.com. And Tim, Eric, and Rusty have officially opened the new game uh, preserve location. Yeah, it looks awesome. And it does look awesome. So hopefully at some point they'll be coming back to host the Q&A podcast. But if you want them to come back, please shoot them an email at podcast at arcaderepairtips.com and tell them how much you miss them. <laughs> so so they know it. Um, but you can also subscribe to the podcast feed at iTunes.ArcadeRepairTips.com and Stitcher.ArcadeRepairTips.com. Tim, we are also on Spotify, but I don't oh. have a link for that. So if you're on Spotify, you can look up Arcade Repair Tips Question Answer Podcast, and you will find us on Spotify as well. I didn't even know. We are on Spotify. Wow. You know now. So, um, But we are on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Right now, guys, we're posting the audio from the live show on those feeds. But once Eric and Rusty get back to doing shows, their audio will be there as well. And then we have our social media pages. We have our Facebook page at facebook.arcaderepairtips.com where Louie and Mark do a fantastic job posting stories that you guys find interesting. And, of course, all of those same stories get cross-posted to our Twitter feed at twitter.arcaderepairtips.com, twitter.arcaderepairtips.com, and you can send us questions on either platform, and we will be happy to get around to them when we can. Tim! Are we done with the regular show? I think so. So are we going to get like um, photo slides from your vacation? We are. So if you're interested in watching Tim's photo slides from his vacation, <laughs> then you can stay tuned to the after show where Tim will take you one by one. He'll be like, click, click. This yeah. is, uh, this is uh, what I saw at this place. Click, click. I, well, I narrowed it one. down from a hundreds to just a few that I have some stories and, and interesting things. Uh, special interest to talk about. So if so. you like hanging around with your parents and, and seeing all the vacation <laughs> slides, you should stay tuned to the after show because uh, that's what we're going to do. Nah, I'm just giving Tim a hard time. Actually, some of the pictures he had are pretty cool and you will want to see them. Stay tuned for that. Uh, we will also be talking about, what else were you going to be talking about? I have no idea. Some of the, did you get to see some movies on the plane? Some other I things? did get okay. to see some movies. So we'll be talking about some movies, some TV shows that we've been watching. Um, update on our investment talk. I'll talk a little bit about my vacation as well. Tim will update you on the food trailer that we um, revealed on the last show. Yes. But didn't show pictures up. We have pictures now. Okay. Um, we'll be talking a little bit about Prime Day for anybody who bought stuff on Prime Day. Just right. kind of curious what you bought. And 
sports talk, MLB trade deadline, and of course NFL training camp starting up. So if you want to listen to that, and if you're listening to this on the audio feed and you want to listen to the after show, please go to YouTube and check that out. Otherwise, if you're on YouTube and you're watching this right now, just stay tuned until after we close here and we'll scoot you right into the after show. Right, Tim? We'll be right back. There you go. So uh, now we have a couple of things here. Trivia questions. What animal was the Chuck E. Cheese mascot supposed to be before he was a mouse? Wally coyote. A coyote, right? Coyote. Yeah, I was about to say. I think it was a coyote. YouTube Punk said shark. Um, Danny says, great show, guys. Um, even though you're tired, always enjoy. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I think it's better when we're tired. I am tired. Yeah. It's almost like it's, probably uh, it's almost like we've been uh, knocking back a, a few, right? Yeah, maybe this is so. As, this is as close to that as we ever get. Um, did Tim see any arcades? You'll have to wait till the after show. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, seahorses in the... Or, let's see. Seahorses all night says, I think it was a fox, but I can't remember. I was hoping Tim would know. I'm pretty sure it's Coyote. Yeah, Coyote is what I would say. So, Astros are the team to, to beat. We'll talk about that in the after show, too, Louie. <laughs> so, <laughs> there we go. So, guys, thank you guys for watching tonight. I know it was a little bit of an abbreviated show, Tim, but like yeah. I said, we're tired. So, uh, but we got all the questions in there, so hopefully you guys enjoyed it. We will be back next month for another Arcade Repair Tips Live show, episode 31. <clears throat> and if you are so inclined, stay tuned to the after show to see Tim's vacation slides. And remember, here at Arcade Repair Tips, when you fix the game, you, you play, play the, the game. game. And we'll be right back with the after show. If you're taking off here, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next month. Thank you for watching this episode of the Arcade Repair Tips live show. All of our past episodes are available on our website at ArcadeRepairTips.com or on our YouTube page. This show is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please consult a professional before attempting to repair any coin-operated machines yourself. The preceding program is a Varcade Entertainment production.